Esports is on the rise in normal. McLean County swears in its first black judge. A state program dealt out $4.36 million to local small businesses. More on these stories? I'm Sierra Henry. I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. I'm Tim Eggert. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. It's been a long news-filled week, so uh, let's just jump into it. Before we get started, I want to introduce our special guest, Tim Eggert, who is one of our newer uh, Panagraph reporters. Uh, So Tim, to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you'll be covering with the Panagraph, and... Yeah, just where you were, where you were before this, and um, everything we want, everything we might want to know about you. Hey, Sierra, Kelsey, it's good to see you. Um, I have been covering Illinois news for a couple years now. I was in Springfield at one point, covering state government and politics, and then I moved up to the Sauk Valley in Northwest Illinois, where I was a public safety reporter. And now I'm back in central Illinois covering Bloomington city government. Um, the Pantograph newsroom is, is, a, is a very uh, coveted newsroom to be in, and I'm really relieved uh, to have landed a spot here. Well, that was very genuine and nice, but now for a little bit of nonsense. Tim, uh, random question. What's your favorite place in Bloomington so far in the last, like, how long you been here? A couple weeks? I think my favorite um, restaurant so far has been Rosie's Pub, uh, both for the food and the tie to Abraham Lincoln, who, um, as you both probably know, practiced law out of that building. Um, And this week is also Honest Abe's 212th anniversary, excuse me, birthday. Um, More on that later. But yeah, that's, that's been a cool spot so far. Yes, we love Abraham Lincoln here at the Panagraph. And personally, love Abraham Lincoln. Um, But thank you so much for being with us, Tim. I'm so excited to get to work with you. Tim and I have actually worked on a couple stories this week. You've probably also heard his name a couple different times over the last couple weeks as um, we've already included a lot of his stuff in the podcast. We also have two other new reporters with the Panagraph, Cade Heather, who has been covering public safety for us, and Lindsay Jones, who has been covering uh, health and McLean County government. And then we also have a new reporter in Decatur, who's been covering the Decatur City Council and will be covering the Illinois State House, Brendan Moore. So uh, we're hoping that we can maybe talk with all three of them at some point um, as COVID permits. But for now, uh, just so excited to introduce Tim. And with that, we're going to get started with some local government and some state news. Okay, so we had a good mix of local and state government news this week. First, let's go over some changes in the state's vaccination plan. Governor J.B. Pritzker on Wednesday expanded Phase 1B of the state's vaccination plan to include people with underlying health conditions who are younger than 65. Prior to this change, those eligible to receive the vaccine included essential workers and adults 65 and older. But locally, the McLean County Health Department is still considering whether it will adopt this expansion, Panagraph reporter Lindsay Jones reported this week. The expansion would significantly increase the number of people eligible to receive the vaccine, but Jones said the local health department has a limited supply of vaccines. We are working diligently to keep you all informed on these changes, so if you want the 
latest news on vaccines and who's eligible, head on over to pantograph.com and read Jones's report. In other local government-related news, the Mattoon Township Park District is potentially facing a shortage of lifeguards. I know it's a little early to start thinking about this since it is like literally maybe eight degrees outside, but (laughs) this is an important story. So this is a little bit due to the COVID-19 panic because the district, like most cities, closed its city pool. Uh, Now the district is preparing to return to full services this summer, but it only has eight returning lifeguards. Uh, To put this into some perspective, a typical full shift would require 12 guards and 35 guards are needed to staff the entire season. So the local YMCA and the Sullivan Civic Center are planning lifeguard courses to train students ahead of the summer season. And if you're interested in becoming a lifeguard this summer, I know it's a little hard to think about, um, or to read more about the story, head on over to jg-tc.com and check out Rob Stroud's report. And now Tim's going to tell us a little bit about a, a big story, LOL, that we've been working on. Week marked one month since the end of Illinois' business interruption grant program that distributed $275 million in aid to small businesses throughout the state to help with the burdens of the coronavirus. And Sierra and I examined how the program played out in McLean County. We found that 322 area businesses applied, but only 106 received an award. Those BIG awards totaled $4.36 million. Our investigation also found that six local businesses might be at risk of losing their BIG awards, and that one business, in normal, plans to voluntarily return its award. You can read more about what we found on pantograph.com. This was also a dense week for Bloomington City Government. I found myself running through a lot of Zoom meetings this week, but um, an active government is a good government. Monday night, City Council expanded the size of the Bloomington Public Safety and Community Relations Board by adding two youth members that carry the same voting power as the seven adult members. This vote was not free of drama. Council discussed the move for nearly half an hour, with some members expressing hesitation over empowering young board members with a vote, but it ultimately passed on a 7-2 to two vote. The youth members will be 16 to 21 years old, and they'll have to serve one-year terms. Council also approved a nine-month extension to City Manager Tim Gleason's contract. It now ends March 2025. On Tuesday, the Bloomington Liquor Commission fined two more bars a combined $1,300 for indoor consumption when state coronavirus mitigations prohibited indoor dining. 13 different bars have been fined by the commission since October for similar violations, resulting in over $5,000 in fines. The commission also fined four other bars a combined $2,400 for unremitted food and beverage taxes. And on Wednesday, officials from the Bloomington Planning and Transportation Commissions discussed seven options the state is considering to reconfigure the Veterans Parkway Empire Street intersection. The Pantograph has previously reported how that intersection is the city's most dangerous, with 18 crashes involving two pedestrian fatalities in the last year alone. And if you've ever driven that intersection, you know how confusing it is to navigate. Um, But all the options include a 10-foot sidewalk and the diverging diamond and the single-point urban interchange emerged among commissioners as the configurations that seemed the most safe and the easiest to navigate. 
they will make a formal recommendation to the state who is responsible for the intersection's cost and construction. Kelsey, uh, schools were in the spotlight this week, weren't they? That's right. The custodial staff at Argenta Oriana Schools got a shout out in the Herald Review this week as the unsung heroes of the COVID-19 pandemic. H&R reporter Valerie Wells talked to the folks working to keep the school buildings clean and sanitized to combat the spread of the virus. Scott Nation said he usually handles maintenance at or- at Argenta Oriana Elementary, but nowadays he's doing more custodial work, which he says makes for double the workload for him and his co-workers. Valerie has the full story about how staff are working to make sure the schools can be open to students attending in person, so find that story and photos of the new equipment the custodians are using at herald-review.com. Back in Bloomington Normal, student-athletes lined up at Normal West on Tuesday to receive their COVID-19 tests to be okay to let them back into their sports season. Unit 5's junior high and high school student athletes. Unit 5's junior high and high school student athletes who are in season and starting their preseason contact days were required to get tested this week, and Superintendent Kristen Weichel said they are encouraged to be tested again later in the year, though this one time is a requirement, they won't be required later. Other students and staff members will have the opportunity to get tested as well, thanks to the $1 million donation of tests from Rivian Automotive and Redditus Laboratories. I talked to sophomore Bailey Rudge, who said she's so glad to be get back onto the soccer fields this spring after the pandemic ended her season last year. The West soccer team started contact days this week, which in my day were called open gyms, and are basically, as Bailey said, an opportunity to knock the rust off before tryouts. You can find my story on the Unit 5 testing at panagraph.com and see photos and videos from Bailey, Dr. Weichel, and Dr. Aaron Rossi, the CEO at Redditus Labs. Speaking of athletes, Sierra, why don't you tell us what's up with Millican Wrestling? Well, it's no secret that COVID has dramatically impacted sports this past year. So when Millican University was preparing for its wrestling postseason, Coach Ryan Burt had a plan in mind. See, last year, the team was just 12 hours away from participating in the NCAA Division III Wrestling Championship last March when the tournament was canceled because of COVID. Fearing for the worst, Burt, who is a member of the National Wrestling Coaches Association, began working on a solution, the NWCA Tournament. Well, he turned out to be correct. The NCAA announced February 4th that it would cancel Winter Sports Championships this year. So the team will participate in this new tournament the coaches have put together, which will run March 12th through the 13th in Iowa, with a final location to be announced. This is a really exciting story developing, and I'm so glad that we can tell you all about it. If you want to read more about what this tournament will look like or more about Milliken's wrestling team, head on over to herald-review.com and read Matt Flatten's report. Um, In other sports-related news, Illinois State softball kicked off their season this week against North Florida at River City leadoff in Jacksonville, Florida. The team told Panagraph reporter Randy Reinhardt that they are excited to return to the ball diamond after prematurely halting their season last March. The team told Panagraph reporter Randy Reinhardt that they are excited to return to the ball diamond after prematurely halting their season last March. This week, the team returned with their top pitchers, senior Morgan Day and junior Mac Leonard. Check out how the team did at Panagraph.com, where we have interviews with players, coaches, and more. Now, this is kind of an exciting story, in my opinion. Um, so... If you've all heard about esports, electronic sports, um, 
is something that's kind of, it's not relatively new because it's been around for a long time, but it's recently starting to kick off in the last couple of years. Um, but Normal recently launched its new esports program or esports league with Decatur and uh, Champaign Park Districts. Um, this league allows kids ages 10 to 18 to participate in two divisions, uh, silver and gold, and play Rocket League and Fortnite against kids their age. This is a really cool story. Uh, kids, as you guys all know, have been really isolated this year, not being able to go to school, not be able to see their friends. And so this is really a new way for them to connect virtually and to hang out and meet new kids. Um, I talked to one family who was actually kind of made this into an event. So like every Tuesday when their son, Alexi, is, he's 10, he's very, he was very fun to talk to, very cute kid. But Alexi, when he's getting ready to play his little Rocket League game, uh, the family, they gather around the TV and they call other extended family members like aunts and uncles on Zoom and they get their like cameras and computers out and they um, live stream watching uh, Alexi play Rocket League and just kind of cheer him on. Oh, for those side note, for those who don't know, Rocket League is a video game that is basically soccer if it were played with uh, virtual cars, I guess. So if you can imagine what that looks like, it, it looks exactly like how I'm describing it. So um, it's really cool. I'm really excited to see where this league goes. I know there's several leagues in and around Bloomington Normal that are starting to kick off. I know Illinois State University is offering scholarships and other colleges around the area are offering scholarships. So if you want to read more about what esports is and how to join this league, check out my story at panograph.com. And with that, we have some interesting uh, public safety news, some historic public safety news. So Kelsey, why don't you tell me all about it? Arguments will settle the legal battle to determine whether incumbent Democratic Sheriff Tony Brown keeps his job in Macon County or is replaced by Republican challenger and fellow officer Lieutenant Jim Root. The final scheduled hearing in the contested 2018 race for Macon County Sheriff was Thursday, and Herald and Review's Tony Reed reports the end of arguments over the dozens of individual disputed ballots in the election that put Brown ahead by one vote. The next scene in this saga will be a teleconference with all the parties in early March when attorneys will be given the t- given time to receive transcripts of all the hearings and then written closing arguments will be scheduled. Quite a bit happened at Thursday's hearing, so be sure to find Tony's story at herald-review.com and read all of his coverage stemming from that 2018 election. In McLean County, the bench trial for Hammett Brown, who was accused in a 2018 double homicide, began this week in Judge Casey, in Judge Casey Costigan's courtroom. Brown is charged with six counts of first-degree murder and two counts of attempted murder. He's accused in the 2018 shooting of Tanisha Brown and Stephen Alexander, who were killed in the 1200 block of Orchard Road. Two more were struck by gunfire, which prosecutors said occurred during an outdoor party, but Brown is claiming self-defense in the shooting. Be sure to head over to Panagraph.com to find Cade Heather's coverage of the trial and check in next week for the verdict. In more historic news, uh, Carla Barnes was sworn in Thursday afternoon, making history as the first black 
judge in McLean County history. We talked about her appointment a few weeks ago, but now she is officially an associate judge in the 11th Judicial Circuit Court of Illinois. In her speech, Barnes said of the 19 years she spent in the public defender's office helped to prepare for, for this new role. Barnes will be seated in Livingston County to start to avoid any conflicts of interest from her time as a public defender, but later she'll be back here in McLean County. Panagraph reporter Cade Heather covered her swearing in, where we heard from Chief Judge Mark Fellheimer, retired 11th Circuit Chief Judge Elizabeth Robb, and local NAACP President Linda Foster. So be sure to find his story at panagraph.com and check out all the photos of Judge Barnes's historic day. All right, so we can move into some community news. Sierra, why don't you tell us about Michael Finnegan? This week, reporter Lindsay Jones wrote about a Pontiac boy who developed a rare complication following a battle with COVID-19. Michael Vitti, who is 10, in January had multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, which is um, abbreviated as MISC, um, which involves a fever that doesn't go away and uh, causes different areas of the body to become inflamed, such as your heart, kidney, brain, skin, and lungs. Ooh, this is not a good, not a good syndrome to have. Um, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say that there is little known about the cause of MISC, but many children who have had COVID-19 or who have came in contact with close contact with someone who has had COVID-19 um, have contracted it. Michael is currently doing much better. His mother is really wanting to educate people about this scary incident and how they could potentially prevent it. Uh, so to read more about Michael and his story, check out Jones's report at pianograph.com. We are so happy that you're doing better and we hope that you make a full recovery. Um, with that, I think we're going to talk about some more Abraham Lincoln news. So Kelsey, please, please, please tell me about what happened with Abraham Lincoln this week. Okay. So we love Lincoln. I think you have to love Lincoln if you live in Illinois. It's like a requirement and, well, we live in Illinois, so check. So Panagraph reporter Kevin Barlow this week wrote a really interesting story celebrating Abraham Lincoln's 212th birthday. I'm old. Kevin's story goes over Lincoln's time as a lawyer in McLean County and his first visit to Bloomington Normal and the, quote, lost speech was given at the Illinois State Republican Convention in Bloomington. So that speech um, was given in 1856, and apparently there was a thousand people there, and there were 40 news reporters, but Lincoln's speech was so wonderful that nobody wrote any of it down. (laughs) None of the reporters there took any notes. They were too distracted by Lincoln speaking, and I mean, you know, I guess... Uh, Facebook Live wasn't a thing in the 19th century. Um, I know that if we did that today, we would probably all lose our jobs. Um, so, just want to say happy birthday, Abe. We love you. Actually, no, I've actually heard that story before. I am no Lincoln historian by any means, but um, I did go to Knox College, which loves Abraham Lincoln, and um, I think. I think like if you're a town in Illinois, you like any town maybe, there's always like a story, you know, involving Lincoln, maybe. There's always someone that's like, you know, Abraham Lincoln went through this town once. Um, 
at least that was i i don't know about you guys but that was the case like where i'm from like in palestine illinois like we had like this mural on the side of like a brick wall it was like a general store i don't know it was it was like lincoln was here once <laughs> during his time in illinois and and knox um we're very proud of the fact that we had one of the the lincoln douglas debates in at our school so like we have plaques of like lincoln and douglas all over we have at least five uh busts of lincoln in one room we have a well it's called the lincoln room where it also has a mural i can't believe i forgot about this but it also has a mural depicting the famous speech that he gave um at knox college wherein he had to climb out the window because the doors were sealed shut have a Lincoln story exactly, but I really, really love the Midwest's clinging onto anything related to Lincoln. So, like, we're in Illinois, land of Lincoln. It, I don't think it's on a plate or license plate anymore. It, it was. It definitely used to be. We used to have Lincoln's head on our license. Yes, and it was blue and beautiful. Now it's the city of Chicago. What? The skyline, isn't it? No, no, it's Springfield. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so yeah, land of Lincoln here. But Indiana, for some reason, somehow, they claim Lincoln's boyhood home. Who counts that for anything? Why? Why, Indiana? And then I went to school in Kentucky, which, birthplace of Lincoln. You know the quarters? The quarters for all the states they made? God, we were kids when that happened. Um, yeah, they have Little Lincoln on the Kentucky one. We don't have a Little Lincoln on the Illinois one, I don't think. I lied. We do. We do, too. <laughs> the Illinois quarter has, has grown Lincoln. And the Kentucky quarter has log cabin Lincoln. <laughs> so that's the only Lincoln edition I have. <laughs> but I did want to say, you, we spent all this Lincoln time. Can talk, this but but technically speaking, this this whole time period, this February, there is no President's Day as far as federal holidays go. I just want to point it out. Legally, federally, it is Washington's birthday, and no one else matters according to the federal holiday makers. It didn't change all these centuries later. That's all. I'm out. I also don't care about any of the presidents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I, that was a joke. <laughs> um, I do. I do care about the presidents. I care about all of them. I did study political science. Is that convincing? I don't think so. <laughs> um, so that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us ramble on about Abraham Lincoln and all things news in Central Illinois. If you're enjoying this podcast and our reporting, check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, we also recently learned that we're on Google Podcasts, so uh, if you use that for your podcasting, check us out there. Uh, while you're at it, head on over to panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com to look at our subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism. Lincoln out. Lincoln out. <laughs>